Welcome to the Moms of Tweens and Teens podcast. If some days you doubt yourself and you don't know what you're doing, if you've ugly cried alone in your bedroom because you felt like you're failing, well, I just want you to know you're not alone and you have come to the right place. Raising tweens and teens in today's world is not easy. And I'm on a mission to equip you to love well and to raise emotionally healthy, happy tweens and teens that thrive. I believe that moms are heroes and we have the power to transform our family and to impact future generations. If you are looking for answers, encouragement, and to become more of the mom and the woman that you want to be, welcome. I'm Cheryl Gould, and I am so glad that you're here. Hi, friend. Welcome to the show today. I'm so glad that you're here. And I want to start out by telling you I have exciting news. And I am inviting you to our three-day free training that starts on June 2nd. And the subject is getting a grip on your tween and teens technology. Because I know how much You need it, that we all need it. And so if you're exhausted from nagging and arguing and yelling when it comes to your tween or teen's technology, or you're feeling ineffective about setting limits and getting your kids to comply, and you need to hit the reset button coming out of quarantine, I highly recommend you sign up. You can go to momsoftweensandteens.com slash free training and sign up today. And at the end, I'll tell you a little bit more details, okay? But you can check it out on the site. So today I'm interviewing Amy Debrick, and she has a powerful personal story of loss and grief. And as a result of that loss, she struggled for 15 years with debilitating anxiety, only to receive a cancer diagnosis that led her to having so much healing and doing what she does today. And we talk about a lot of powerful things in this interview, anxiety, shame, raising daughters in today's culture, and her new book that she wrote with her daughter, Blair, called Embolden. And it is an inspirational journal that promotes confidence, reflection, and living a bold and empowered life. So let's jump in. Welcome, Amy, to our show today. And I'm so excited to have you here. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Well, before we get started and we talk about your book that's being released uh, this week, which is so exciting, I want to just ask you, have you start with telling a little bit about your own personal story and what led you to doing what you're doing today? Sure. So my own personal story started being a lifelong introvert, which I still am, but um you know, years ago, I had some significant uh, tragedies happen shortly after, um, you know, I wasn't married very long. 
uh, maybe a year. And uh, my oldest brother and my firstborn son passed away uh, within 16 days of each other, totally unrelated. And then um, that just really catapulted years and years of severe anxiety. And so um, during that time, I mean, you wouldn't know it if you saw me on the street. I was, I feel like um, the master of saving face. Um, I functioned in my daily life, but I was deeply struggling with just fear, fear of everything, fear of my own health, fear of the children I continue to have. I had four more children after that. Um, it was just very, uh, it was quite the burden. And then when I turned 40, I jokingly say when most people were planning their um, midlife crisis, I ended up getting a cancer diagnosis of Hodgkin's lymphoma. That was almost, that was just about 10 years ago right now. And it wasn't until that time that I really uh, finally surrendered all of my fears to God. And it, that diagnosis actually, I feel like saved my life and really started letting me live for the first time in years since those tragedies had occurred. And so that really prompted this whole writing and podcasting journey that I started on. Um, it first became almost kind of healing the more I would share my story. Um, and like I said, I, the reason I say I'm an introvert is because it was very unlike me. I didn't want people to know my struggles. Um, it felt too vulnerable. Um, I felt weak. Um, the fact that I was struggling so bad. And so, um, it became important after the diagnosis, after surrendering to start sharing bits and pieces. And once I did, I immediately recognized, um, other people's reactions to that and feeling like, wow, I, you know, they, somebody needed to hear that today. Like they were relating with something that I was sharing about myself. And, um, as painful as the process was when it first began, like everything is extremely fearful when you're being vulnerable. I just, I couldn't stop doing it. I felt like God really laid it on my heart and I've met some incredible women and I've, I've been moved by their stories and touched. And, um, and then that kind of just prompted this writing journey. I, I do a weekly podcast, but, um, writing was my first love and, um, and that's kind of what started it. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing all of that and having that trauma, losing a child, losing, uh, a brother. And it makes so much sense that that would throw you into this anxiety fear. I'm imagining having struggled with anxiety myself, I have to control everything or something horrible could happen. And then you have four more kids. I mean, is that kind of what it felt like? Like I have to control things. So nothing that painful ever happens again. Absolutely. I mean, I'm a control freak by nature, I think anyway. And as soon as that happened and at, you're right, after I did have more children, I, that's what you do. That, that's part of the burden of anxiety is trying to save everyone, control everything, be everything you can be, and then some. And, and the reality is we can't, but it's an exhausting process and it's an exhausting life to live for long, a long time. I mean, I led that life for almost 15 years. And, um, 
you know, when I surrendered it, when I say I felt like a huge burden lifted, I, I mean, there was nothing like it. Now that's not to say that I don't have moments where things come up and, you know, especially after my cancer diagnosis, but, um, but in general, um, it has been the most freeing process is to finally reconcile with myself and God that he's in control. Thank goodness, because I can't do it all. And there's something freeing about taking that burden off of yourself and putting it on him. And the fact that he's wants it and willing to take it, I finally had to say, go ahead. I can't do it anymore. Wow. You know, it's almost like I think of it as like you, you had to almost die in mm-hmm. order to live. And exactly. And, and if you were going to live being able to hand that over to God, that you couldn't carry that burden anymore. That's a powerful story, Amy. I want to continue to dive into that as you talk about your book, because you bring up so many of these themes throughout the book. And you co-wrote this book with your oldest daughter, Blair, called Embolden, and it's being released this week. Is it Friday, April 23rd that it's being released? Yes. And I just have to tell the listeners, I just saw that well, it's available, we'll talk at the end, but Barnes & Noble, but Walmart just picked it up. And also yep. Books A Million picked it up. And I was like, yay, Amy. <laughs> so, so exciting. Um, yes. Yeah, well, I have to ask you, what led you to write this book with Blair? Well, what really led me to write it with her is hearing, she was probably in her sophomore year at college and she attends a Christian college. And, um, and I think we were naive in that process. And we'll talk a little bit more about that is, um, thinking that she was going to escape some of these pitfalls that every other person, her age would be experiencing just because she's at a Christian college. That was just complete naiveness on our part. But having said that, she would come home and and I could tell she was struggling. And, um, and the more she and I talked, you know, it really kind of reminded me and showcased those same struggles that I had had at her age. And gosh, wouldn't it have been great if there was something that, that was available where you didn't feel like you were disqualified to pick it up. I think so many times, you know, the more she and I kept talking, it was, there was a lot of judgment, which I think is normal at that age. You're either too Christian or you're not Christian enough. Um, and so for those who felt like they're not ready for, you know, they don't even know the Bible or they, um, they would never consider signing up for a Bible study. There wasn't really any resource we felt like that was in between. And so that's really what kind of prompted us to create something that we felt like any woman could pick up, you know, not feel disqualified, um, but feel like they belong right where they are. And that's what we talk about meeting someone where they are, but important to not leave them there. That was really the key. So explain to me what that means. You meet them where they're at, but you don't leave them there. Sure. Yeah. For us, that really meant kind of reaching back instead of looking down. I think a lot of times, especially when there's that generation 
gap between a, a mother and daughter or just an older person and a younger person. We, we oftentimes see these younger adults struggling, you know, making similar mistakes. And it's in, even though we might extend and, and reach out a little bit and sit and listen, we wanted to offer something that could go beyond that, that we could give them some practical advice or activities or um, something that would just be more of a resource than just a, a quiet conversation. We wanted to take them a little bit further than that. And so a lot of this we really want to also promote is, is honest conversation, whether it's between a mother and daughter, whether it's just between somebody who's one step ahead of you, just that action behind the good intention of just meeting somebody where they are. I, th- I think we hear that a lot, but what are we really doing? And I'm, and I'm speaking to the, the person that is ahead of you, whether it's, like I said, a mom or a friend or a mentor, you know, what are we really doing to, to get them past that, that s- stuck point? And you have a lot of really good questions that you walk that you walk through in the book to help you get unstuck. And is right. this book, explain to our listeners, would this be something that a mom would do with her daughter? You mentioned a mentor. Would the daughter do it on her own? Maybe buy it for a graduation gift or a birthday gift. How do you, how do you envision people, women using this book? Well, I think there's two ways, main ways that we wanted women to be able to use this book. We wanted first the woman that has no faith at all to be able to pick this up, feel comfortable in whether it's the privacy of her own home, apartment, wherever she is, her own space, and really be able to go through it and feel encouraged and want to learn more. So that's really the first person. You don't have to have somebody else alongside of you. We wanted to be able to really have that other person be able to feel just as encouraged as the strong Christian woman that's also looking for for a little bit more. And so so the letter of that would be that strong Christian woman that already, or maybe she's has her Christian foundation, let's say that, but needs a little strengthening. And that's kind of where I would say Blair was. You know, Blair grew up in a Christian home. But at that age, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of temptation. There's a lot of new relationships. There's a lot of growth that needs to be happening. And so for her, she needed something that would really strengthen where she needed to go next. And so although we have very practical steps, we do have scripture to back up those practical steps. You know, so for the girl who's never known about God or the love of Christ and knowing her worth or value, this will open a door to learn more, you know, about how God has seen her and how he created her for a purpose and with a purpose. And for the Christian that has been maybe a little bit lukewarm at stage in her life, really kind of maybe locked down and have the tools now to okay, this is what I need to do next. And this is how I can do it. And, and they're very small, practical ways. You know, we talk about the forming topics. We break them up into four weeks, which is fearless, kindness, temptation, and growth. And as you and I talked before we even started recording this interview, um, one of the things that I found when we were creating this first for young adult women is these topics never go away. These these, uh, you know, 
trip up points never go away. And so when I was going through them with her, I was also recognizing in myself where I needed the work with, you know, being more fearless, where I need to be more kind, where I fall short with temptation and where I need to continue to grow. So, you know, you can use it in a group setting. You can use it, like I said, to get, you know, with, with a friend, or you can use it independently. It's really but we do feel like, especially for the young adult woman, this is a perfect resource, you know, for graduation. It's your, you're going out on your own and you, you're trying to figure it out. You just said so many good things. I was, uh, and I took notes. <laughs> and, um, it really sounds like in the book, and I got a, I got a preview of it and you're going to send it to me. So I'm so excited. Uh, but it sounds to me like, is it comes from a very non-judgmental place, which being a Christ follower myself and having two girls and a boy, at that time, they're trying to accept their faith as their own. And so with my oldest, I, I kind of made the mistake going at it where I was pushing too much. And, um, around her faith. And then when she was kind of pulling away and trying to define who she was apart from me in high school, I panicked a little bit because she was like going, it felt like she was going against our values and, and all those things that I held dear. But it seemed like the more that I pushed, it was, I wasn't giving her that space to to navigate and figure out things and just trusting that as I was living it out that that was going to speak so powerfully to her. So it was kind of like, I wanted to fix, (laughs) fix her faith and make sure, you know, she had a strong foundation, which, you know, is important, but I was doing it more of a controlling way. And so as a result, I really believe she felt judged. And Mm -hmm. it sounds to me like you come at this, this with the book that it's non-judgmental. You're, encouraging. I mean, can you just, do you know what I'm saying? Can you speak to that? Yes. I know that was very intentional. And I appreciate that you even recognize that in the sample is that was exactly our, um, our mission was to not come across in a judgmental way, because I think at that age in particular, um, and I, and I get the whole parent thing. We all do that. You know, you want to, um, you want to have your kids follow through all the way. And, um, but I think what's most important is like you said, even though you're, you're living it out, they are going to see that they do come back to that, but it's so scary. And that, and that's part of where we are picking up the fearless, you know, learning how to be fearless and all of that. But I think for them, um, there's so much judgment going on anyway, without parents being involved, that I think it's really important. And we do, you know, share a little bit about having that honest conversation, you know, and Blair and I did a lot of that. There were things that, you know, I mean, there's things that we're all not super proud of. And and I don't think you have to go into enormous depth on certain things that have happened um, as a mother to a daughter or vice versa. But I think there is something to be said for you know, maybe if I could be a little bit honest in specific areas where I see her struggling, where I also maybe experienced, even if it was a different thing, 
then I think there's some more validity to what I have to say to her. And she'll receive that a little bit better. And so that's kind of how the book is. If I'm laying out a topic that Blair and I are both admittedly two different age groups saying we've struggled here, you know, this isn't new to us. You're not doing anything that possibly one of us haven't done. Already, I feel like the guards come down and, okay, so you're a little bit more willing to receive what the message is. And so that's kind of what we want. We're not perfect. We're never going to be perfect. (laughs) You know, that's what grace is all about, thank God. And we want them to know the same. Yeah, the, the vulnerability and the transparency that you share in the book that will help other moms and daughters to be able to do the same. And that's really powerful. It's not coming from a place of like, I have all the answers and let me tell you how to do it. But it's like, we're on this journey together and I have weaknesses, I have struggles, I have challenges, and this is a lifelong journey. Like I have not mastered it. And, right. and coming from, from that place, which is really going to bring so much more connection and trying to do it, trying to control it or, you know, go about it in a different right. way. What, what was that like writing the book with Blair? What was that like for your relationship? Well, in the beginning, it was hard. <laughs> Whose idea was it? It was my idea. It was my idea initially. Of course. And um, God laid it on my heart initially, not hers. But um, she, and she would have a separate conversation with you on how, how all of that went. You know, we both equally knew it would be a, a great resource. We were both passionate about that. That wasn't the hard part. I think the hard part was, um, first of all, this is more of my vocation, right? So I'm a, a writer and um, and she wasn't. So there was resistance with just that part of it. Um, but I think that we both equally grew as the process went. Because, and I think like you had just pointed out when you were talking about you know, being transparent and being vulnerable. Um, Even though my age offers me more wisdom to to give her, we were both learning at the same time. And so I think that helped in the end. Um, But, you know, the process, I feel like doing anything that intentional and that purposeful side by side with your child. I mean, it's been the biggest blessing in both of our lives, but it was, it was hard. I mean, there were times where it was hard times where she wasn't up for doing it, or she had other commitments that she were more of a priority. And I had, this was my priority at that time. And so, you know, just different schedules sometimes made it crazy, but overall, I think we both gained more than we both could have anticipated. Yeah. How long did it take the two of you to write it? It took us, uh, it took us about a year and then we got, it got picked up by Arabelle Publishing last year. Okay. I have last to, summer. Okay. I have to ask you, did Blair, this is what I feel like, because my, my uh, youngest helps me with my content. She's done some, she does some Facebook lives. We've just done some funny things together. But she will say to me sometimes, oh, mom, that's corny. Or <laughs> did did Blair ever say that something like that to you when you were writing? Like, oh no, it, it wasn't helpful to have her voice of what would speak to young girls versus what spoke to you. Was there any of that? Yes. Yeah. 
Oh, definitely. Definitely. And I actually had her, I had images because the book is very, it's full of, of images and we wanted that purposely. You know, we wanted it to be something eye-catching that would really kind of just be visually pleasing as well. And so every time I pick out an image, I'd send it to her at college and I'm like, okay, what do you think of this? And she'd either say like, yeah, that's great. Or no, you know, I wouldn't, that wouldn't be something that would appeal to me. And so I'd have to take that into consideration. Like, okay, well, if this is going to be my main audience, I need to validate what she's saying. And, and yeah, sometimes with the wording, she's like, oh, I would never say that. So we did have a lot of, um, in, she did give me a lot of input and that's just the way I wanted it. So it was good. I love that because then, because she was a part of this process, it's going to speak to younger girls because they're going to be able to relate to her language. So that rather than, I mean, I think that there's so many great books that have been written to younger girls, but having her write it with you, I think is just really special that, you know, both of you wrote it together. So I want to talk about what you're hoping that women are going to take away from Embolden. I hope that at the very least, they know their worth in Christ. Like I said, the believer and the non-believer. Um, I just hope that they, they can take away that they have so much to offer, that there's so much right now, but they even have so much to offer. And um, that's kind of our first and foremost, and not be afraid to, um, to seek that out. You know, I think a lot of times this age group, you're, there's so much, you're embarrassed about everything, right? It's embarrassing to, you may be interested in learning about something new, but it's, you might be too embarrassed and that might hold you up to not do it. And so I, I hope that that gives them the courage to just take like one small brave step throughout the book. And let that just open the door to the next brave step. So that's kind of what we're hoping that they really gain out of it. And I really do hope that any mother or daughter that may do it together or one gets it and the other one or gives it to somebody else is there's honest conversations that, that the women ahead of them don't just look down, don't, you know, reach back instead of looking down on them and actually be honest. We, none of us were perfect at at that young adult age. We all tripped up in in one area of another and, and it's okay to say that. And I think that they appreciate that more. I mean, I'm pretty honest with my kids in my conversations and my husband is as well. Um, and I think that, you know, at first you think, oh gosh, I would never want them to know that about me because maybe it's not your proudest moment, but think of all their, their non-proudest moments that they're keeping in and feeling like they have no outlet. And so I think that that really, you know, I would love to have more conversations also after this book comes out. Oh, most definitely. And, and there will be, uh, you talk a lot about shame and fear and overwhelm and how we can feel that as moms, our daughters can feel feel that. And I'm going to quote you. You say, this book is meant to leave women feeling encouraged and brave 
not overwhelmed or ashamed. And I wanted to ask you, can you think of some areas in your own life where you've struggled with shame? Well, first, I mean, for sure, pretty much any mistake that I made in my early 20s, there's things that, you know, that I did that I shouldn't have done, um, places that I shouldn't have been. You know, you get yourself in situations sometimes, but I just don't want that to imprint somebody enough to disqualify themselves thinking they can't ever get something better or find something better or seek out a better relationship or find the courage to, to move past that. You know, we're all imperfect. And I think if you can really grasp that and lose the shame, I mean, all we have to do is ask for forgiveness and, um, and you have it. And I think it's just those kinds of things that I, I, I think trip up women the most or young girls the most thinking, well, I've already done this. So I certainly could never do that. They're too good. They're too this, they're too that. And you, and you, without recognizing it, you start disqualifying yourself and then that becomes a habit. And so then you, you end up in places and spaces that maybe you don't want to be, but you've already removed that you're not eligible for these spaces. And and that's just so not true. We're all eligible. We're all, you know, equipped to be in, in every great space and every great relationship, find your potential to grow in your faith and in your life. And so I just, um, I want women to, to get past the lie thinking that, that their shame is something that, that needs to be imprinted on them for a lifetime. It's, so important what you're talking about. And you think, I I think about how those shame messages and those lies can get imprinted. And then we're carrying them around as older women and to be able to break free of that and see that there's another way that we don't have to wear this cloak of shame around. And that's what I hear you saying. What came to my mind was, how do we break free from those lies and believe that we're valuable and we're worthy and we're worthy of good things and not settling in our lives and letting that fear hold us back? Um, what are some of the ways that you have seen have been helpful that you write in the book to break free? You have like four things. And one is kindness. I mean, are there some tangible things? If you just give one example from the book, because they'll have to get the book. Um, Right. But what is one thing that helps um, to break free of some of this shame and those things that we carry? Well, I think one of the things we talk about, and this is very simplistic and very practical, but it's breaking habits. It's addressing, you know, we start in the very beginning with really addressing the root of your fear. Cause I think that's really important. And sometimes the root of your fear is feeling shame. And why is that? But then I also think we, we try to just, like I said, do practical things like what is one habit that you need to remove from your life and, and start with that. I think that, and that's what, when we talk about overwhelm, we don't want them to be overwhelmed and thinking, oh my gosh, I need to change this, that, and the next thing about me, or 
this book is going to be useless. This isn't going to work. When in reality, you start with one thing, you know, you, you just start with that, that one thing. And maybe it's, um, first it's just identifying what's a bad habit that you're having trouble breaking and then recognizing what that is. And then trying to, you know, be intentional about what can I replace with that bad habit? What, what good habit can I replace with this bad habit? And so that's kind of what we have throughout the book. We, we try to actually give them a, a, something where, okay, if, we want, if you want to remove this, how about doing this instead of it? And so we do that throughout with all of these topics. We do it with fearless. We do it with kindness, temptation, and growth. Because like I said, you know, those things, and you had said yourself, as adult women, we still face those things, but wouldn't it be great if in your 20s, you already had a place to go to because you've already gone through something like this to say, you know what, I don't, I'm not getting stuck in those places. You may, they may revisit, but I don't have to be as stuck as I was because now I know what to do. Exactly. Exactly. And it's so powerful to write it down. That's what I love about yeah. the journal exercises because just by writing down what those shame lies are or those beliefs are, once you become aware of the lies, then you can start saying, okay, is that really true? And then right. thinking about, okay, what, how can I, how can I pivot? How might I change that one thing? What might I do instead? I didn't learn that until I was, gosh, in my late 30s, early 40s, really how to pay even attention to those limiting beliefs and what to do instead. Um, I don't even know that I was consciously aware that, I mean, maybe I was, but exactly what the messages are and then how to what to do to replace those messages. And they're going to come up, but then you're just much quicker to pivot and say, no, <laughs> no, that that's not the truth um, to, in order to move forward. Yeah. Yeah. It's I, nice to have something to be prepared because as you know, you know, when life happens, you don't know what's going to happen. So it, you know, another thing would be great is to have them use this and then feel prepared for when something does come up, you know, maybe you're doing this in your twenties and then you get married and then in your thirties, you know, there's a broken relationship or maybe there's a death of a child or something, something that could catapult areas where you might find yourself in a place of fear and anger and, you know, going back to bad habits and all of that. And so it would be great to feel like, okay, it might be hard in in this moment, but I have the tools to not go back as far as I was, or I have the tools to be able to maintain the growth that I have already had. Yes, that's very powerful. And you said, this is a book that you can revisit again and again and again. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Every time we did an edit, Cheryl, we we felt that way. Every time we would go back and edit through it, Blair and I, and we both had to laugh about it because we're like, wow, it was like, you're almost like rereading it every time for the first time. 
And sometimes that's just depending on what type of week you had. So it was really interesting that she and I felt like that, you know, um, and, but that was the beauty of, about doing it. And every time we went back as much as, you know, you're, you're dreading that next round of edits, it was actually a huge blessing because she and I were like, we were recognizing it, you know, fourth edit in, we're like, wow, I didn't recognize this last time, but now I'm really focusing on this part. And, you know, maybe we need to add more here, add a little bit more here. And so it was definitely something that you can go back to for sure. Yeah. And, and have even with fresh eyes that depending upon what you're going through. Yeah. It's really, really helpful. Um, I just had to say one thing that I love that you said was, you were talking about feeling like we have to fix ourselves, you know, like I'm never going to be good enough just wanting to fix or I've got to do this and this and this or stop doing that, but actually just breaking it down into small action steps where it's like, no, you're valuable and you're, and you're worthy of all of these things. And it's just, it's not like that cloak of shame, I think, is you're just, we're bad, right? Versus, no, we have worth and value and and being able to just take some specific action steps when we're in that place. Do you know what I mean? Like, it tends to be like, I think of an el- eating yeah. an elephant all at once rather than just in little bite-sized pieces. It's, you come at it from a different mm-hmm. angle. Yeah. You, I think you have to, or else you, I mean, if it was me personally, and I was, I try to put myself and it's not hard because like you had said, also, when you are somebody who struggled with fear and anxiety, it's easy to feel overwhelmed. And so if I were to pick something up and immediately open the page and feel like, oh gosh, you know, this is going to be too much. I would put it down. I, I wouldn't use it. And so we try to be really intentional about, okay, let's split this up so people can actually see, these women can see that it's not an all or nothing. One thing, I mean, you could finish this whole journal and look back. And in the end, we even say, write down your wins. Now you may have two wins. You may have one win, but it's still something. It's still something to celebrate. And I think that's the the big takeaway is that anytime you try to do something intentionally for your growth, or anything like that, that's a win. And it should be acknowledged and you should be acknowledging it. You don't always have to wait for somebody else. You should just internally acknowledge that and feel good about that. I'm, I'm doing this. I'm making an effort. I'm making an effort to, to make better choices, to be in better relationships, um, communicate better, be kinder, whatever it is, that's your win. Yes. Yeah, rather than looking outside of ourselves for approval, that you're you're helping right. women to validate themselves. And, you know, that can be such a trap when we're looking outside of ourselves. So I like Absolutely, that. especially right now with social media. I mean, you have to be validated for here first, because if you go out there, your small win might look like nothing compared to the highlight reels that are regularly spinning around. So if, you know, if you already are acknowledging, you know, I'm, I'm worthy. I, I, I'm doing great things. I I did something big today. You can't compare to it. It won't matter 
what you see on those high, highlight reels. It, it won't matter. Those voices will be so much quieter when your worthiness is so much louder. Yes. Yes. Amen to that. Can you speak about the kindness yeah. piece? Because I'm curious about that. You use that as one of your, do you call it one of your chapters, one of your? One of the weeks. One of the weeks. Okay. There's four weeks. All yeah. right. Can you say more right. about how, why you chose kindness? We chose kindness because I think, um, especially as Christians and especially as Christian women, I think um, we can have a hard time being kind and showing grace to someone who believes something different than you or who has, um, you know, a different understanding than you do. And so we wanted to make sure we were expressing that you can still show kindness and grace without forfeiting your beliefs and just in, in not having to understand theirs. You can still appreciate what somebody has to say and give them the courtesy of showing grace and kindness without necessarily changing a mindset. Mm-hmm. You know, the two aren't exclusive. You know what I mean? Like they, you can have both. And I think that there's a way to be able to do that. And I think the more you learn how to do that, and again, all these things are just like things you have to practice. You're, you, there's no expectation that you automatically know how to do that. But the more that you do that, then the more natural it becomes. And then, you know, you don't have to forfeit your beliefs to try to understand somebody else's, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You just don't have to. Mm-hmm. You can be kind and show compassion and empathy. And you may not agree with what somebody else has to say, but there's no reason to be judgmental or angry or hurtful. There's never a space for that. And I think the more we practice kindness and we talk about grace a lot in that kindness week, um, the more it does become second nature. And I think that those times also, the reason we stress kindness is, I mean, I don't know about you, Cheryl, but I could probably name more than a dozen times where, you know, your first reaction when you're upset or, um, you know, just not happy with maybe something that somebody had to say or don't understand where somebody's coming from can be short, can be rude. Um, you know, I, a lot of times I've spoken before thinking first, mm-hmm. and there's something to be said about pausing and listening and just, you know, still showing compassion and kindness without having that other piece and where you have the regret later. And that's where that kind of shame comes in, right? Where you kind of react first and regret later. And so I think you don't have to do that. I think that if we can start practicing habits of listening and, and um, even when you don't understand, but showing somebody the, the kindness that they deserve, then that's all you can do. You can't control somebody's response. You can't control, you can only control what you're doing. And so again, everything in here goes back to being intentional and how can I be intentional with my kindness? How can I express that and and offer that even in places that I don't understand or I don't agree? Yes. And it's such an inside out job, kindness, 
as far as like your teaching that you have value and worth and, and loving yourself and knowing God loves you. And then you're able to give that kindness as well, because if somebody's going to say something to you that is going to be hard to hear, you're going to be able to hear it from a place where you know you are already loved versus a place where it's going to rock your world because you're struggling to know you're loved and to love yourself. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's like yeah. twofold. And, and I think, and I think to, to your point, if someone were to say something harsh to me in response to something that I was saying, you know, I, I would probably, I, I really wouldn't give that relationship much uh, validity in my life. It probably wouldn't be, unless it was somebody that I really knew and it, and, and they were being harsh for a reason where I feel like your words would hold more weight also if how you react or, or respond shows grace, you know, I mean, kindness is an expression of grace and we put that in the book. And so, you know, if I'm, if you say something to me and I'm gracious to you back, even though I don't necessarily understand it or agree, you're going to be like, you're going to still keep me in your radar where the other person is going to be totally out. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to really trust them and I'm not going to feel comfortable. And I, and, and, and the relationship is going to be looked at differently. It's not going to be as valid in what they have to say. Your, your words will hold more value. If I see that you are being kind to me, even amongst, you know, a difference of opinion or, or something like that. Yes. Well said. Love it. All right. Well, one last question. Um, sure because there's so much we could talk about. What is one thing that a woman that's listening can do to embolden herself or her daughter or someone else? Well, I think, and I mentioned this earlier, I think the first thing they can do is recognize their worth and value. And once it's not until you do that, that you can really offer that to someone else. Mm. So maybe it's the mother who's already been through it and she's on that, you know, the other end of it and she can offer that to her daughter or maybe it's, um, or somebody that's just starting out and, and, you know, they, they need to, they need to find their worth and value first. They need to pick it up. Even if they're unsure, even if they're at their lowest low, and know that, okay, I'm, I'm worthy of reading this. I'm worthy of getting something out of here because, you know, I know that God has something amazing for me. Mm. Even that, I know God has something amazing for me. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, take that in. It's really, really good. So tell our listeners, Amy, where they can find you and find your book. And of course, I will provide provide uh, the links as well in the show notes. Okay, great. So they can find me on um, my website at amydebrick.com. I have um, all of my stuff on there, podcast stuff. I have a confidence course on there. 
Um, lots of free resources for subscribers. That's all on there. There's um, Emboldened Merchandise plus Life on Purpose. That's what the website is. Merchandise on there. That's really fun. We've got some jewelry that Able Jewelry um, made us a, a signature piece for Emboldened necklace. And um, Kinsley Armel did an Emboldened uh, bracelet for us. So that's really fun. Um, and then the books, really, you can get the book wherever books are sold. Right now it's Books A Million, um, walmart.com, Barnes and Noble. Um, I know I'm missing something. Um, Amazon plus, mm-hmm. um, actually surprisingly with, this is so funny. There's a lot of, um, stores in the UK, including Amazon UK, that's carrying it. Indiebound is carrying it. Um, so lots of places you can find it. That is, uh, awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Amy, for being on. Thank you for writing this book and thank Blair for us and that you have put out something that is so needed and relatable and will help daughters and mothers and women to know their their value and their worth and be able to work through these issues. Um, it's just really powerful. So I, uh, I'm, I can't wait to get the book and to hear what you're doing next and how you're going to, you know, I don't know if you're going to be doing a course around it. I don't know, but I'm excited to see where Embolden leads women and to hear all about that. So thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. It was such a great conversation and I'm honored to be here. Well, that's it for today. And thank you so much for joining us. And if you haven't signed up yet for our three-day free training, Getting a Grip on Your Tween and Teens Technology, you can head on over to momsoftweensandteens.com slash free training and get signed up. It starts on June 2nd at 12 to 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. And each day, the second, the third, and the fourth, it's from 12 noon to 1 p.m. Central with some question and answer time afterwards. And if you can't come, you will get the replay and all of the resources that I share. And the replays will be available for a limited time. So I hope you'll sign up, you'll join me because connecting with you personally is one of my favorite things. So have a great week and I will see you back here next time.